two good results, one not so good result for the Brisbane Roar over the weekend. All that means is we've got a lot to talk about on this edition of the Brisbane Football Review, starting right now. Another edition of the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here with you as per usual. Guys, nice to see your faces in person after last week. Adam, how are you? Yeah, good. It's uh, good to actually be in all the same room. It's nice and unnerving. It was a good experiment though, wasn't it, last week to record remotely? Yeah, it's good to know. It's good to see, but it was a good experiment nevertheless. Definitely. It's the three of us plus a special co-host today that you may hear chiming in at one point or another. We've got my uh, little puppy Trixie here who's a bit a bit miserable today after getting some vaccinations so we'll uh, apologise in advance for any uh, puppy chiming in while we're recording. She's miserable because you're holding her hostage. Let's just tell the truth from the start. I honestly thought you were going to say because you got because uh, I've got her dressed in Arsenal gear or Patriots gear or something which I don't because it's too hot for that but yes anyway uh, yeah so we could have a couple of bucks. Please don't call the RSPCA. She's just she's just having one of those days. Anyway, shall we get into the show? Yes, we shall. Okay, let's start off with the plugs. It's brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com if you want to send in any emails, comments, questions uh, for us to discuss because obviously there's an A-League buy coming up next weekend and we might have to find a bit of filler to get through that uh, lack of a preview segment there as well. And also you can get in t- touch with us, Facebook, The Raw Review, Twitter at BNE Football. A podcast is always available on Wooshka, iTunes, Spotify, and several other good podcast outlets. And you may even be listening to us on Football Nation Radio, which we're very pleased to uh, be playing with as well. And uh, should also give their socials a bit of a plug because they asked who their A League Player of the Decade was. And I'm pretty sure the answer from the three of us is unanimous. One's uh, Thomas Broich. I was going to say it's Bob Malcolm, surely. <laughs> well, that might have been in the last decade. We'll have to wait and yeah. see. Anyway. Yes, anyway. I, I, I see where you're going with that joke. Yeah. All right, so segment one, let's get into the A-League recap. Sydney FC 5, Brisbane Raw 1. Well, that was a rough Saturday night, wasn't it, Adam? Eesh, yeah, it was... Uh, it wasn't good. Uh, but look, uh, for, for me, this might be the loss that the Raw need to have. I think even though their form has been less than spectacular, the, 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 in all the previous losses, you could say there was a moment where you know they had a chance or if they were... You know, if the you know, bounce the ball decision went their way, it may have been different. But this was just a complete and total wipeout. This and um, look, I think it's uh, definitely a wake up call uh, to the side now. And they because they were just pretty much um, blown off the park by a very, very good Sydney FC team. They were blown off the park by a Sydney FC team who we'll start with Sydney FC, giving them 30 seconds of credit now, and then we won't mention them 
against the rest of the show. They were exceptional the way they played. It was very much the Raw of old in a lot of ways in terms of the style with which they played. It was a real throwback to what the Raw were in their best days. And for me, it was illuminating to see just how far the Raw have gone from those days to where they are now because it was a very... Very disappointing performance, to say the least. It was a ruthless showing as well. Right from the outset, you saw Alex Bamyohan taking full advantage of the space because it seemed like the Raw... And, you know, I probably would have set out to do something very similar. said, all right, we're not going to let Milos Ninkovic beat us today. It was interesting because I mentioned on the show in the preview last week, Aiden O'Neill had to have a big game. And I don't blame him at all for the result of the weekend. Honestly, he was left isolated in midfield. I just don't think... There were so many free players in midfield, open space, players in that area that just made life really difficult. And you mentioned Baumjohan had a really good game and they targeted Ninkovic. Ninkovic still had an exceptional game. Well, that's, that's, what, that's like... what good players do, but those two just... The combination of those two, which we all talked about before the season, they could be anything. We really saw the fruits of what that can be in, in the first half in particular because they were exceptional. One little point on Ninkovic, though. Like, we still think Broich obviously greatest in A-League history. Ninkovic is probably building the case to be, you know, the... 1B to his 1A for that. He's closing in. You have to get, You have to say... It, it hurts to say that anyone is even in the ballpark, but he would at least be in the ballpark. And if he can fill that uh, next year at a new club, that would certainly help his case as well. Yeah, well, if we sort of go on, on to that, there was sort of a bit of, you know, a little bit of a... Uh, I wouldn't say bombshell, but sort of a revelation in the post-game show on on Fox after the game. But just um, yeah, just on Sydney, I think it's a case of that... I don't know if the Raw sort of, you know, woke up the fact of trying to be able to deal with two, the dual playmakers. I think that's... The, I think they were so sort of obsessed with, you know, maybe trying to, you know, contain Ninkovic that, you know, Balmiohan just had an absolute blinder and he just... he just, His passing was just, you know, it was just sublime, you know, and, and then you, when you have a lethal finisher like a um, Amalfondra who was just, yeah, like, probably the most lethal at the moment... Uh, Look, it's just yeah, the game went out of hand very, very quickly, and that's the thing that you know uh, Costa Barbarus has had a very, very quiet game by his standards. He scored plenty of goals last year against the Raw, so yes. maybe he had a night off. But you mentioned the not the um, shutting down Nikovic. We'll probably hear from Robbie Fowler in a minute, but but he mentioned in the post-game press conference. I'm not sure if we have this clip or not, but he said that they didn't the press defensive press wasn't right, and that if one player is not pressing pressing the ball or pressing the right player, it can completely break down. And we saw countless examples of that on Saturday night, and that's where. The likes of Baum, Johan and Ninkovic just took advantage of the Raw. Definitely. All right, well, we're going to pivot our discussion now to the Raw, but first, let's hear from Robbie Fowler. I couldn't tell you. You know, we have a plan. Um, we don't have any right in the week leading up to the game. Um, I mean, what I will say, I think they have got quality players and quality players here. Yes, yeah, so we've got players who are not, you know, I won't say 100% in their game, you know, even less. You know, they're going to hurt you. Uh, and we got done by, by, by good play. Uh, the likes of Bam, Johan... Uh, Ninkovic, you know, runs from uh, Adam Lafondra as well. Uh, they hurt us, um, and obviously we, we told the players what to expect. Um, players just probably not at the races again. Uh, you know, run at you know players running off each other, uh, run off our players. Um, 45 minutes, I mean, it was just it wasn't acceptable. We know that. Second half, we we put up a little bit of a fight. Um, showed a better attitude, much better attitude. Probably got done on two counters. Um, but, yeah, it's a bad night all round, I think. What we've got. And that was Robbie Fowler there, obviously not too happy. And that was, you know, as you said at the start, Scott, that was a pretty clear gap in, uh, in class between the two sides. But for, for the Raw, I, I kind of went into this game, especially seeing that unchanged lineup from the week before against the Mariners, and thinking, okay, look, 
I didn't expect them to go down, but I kind of expected them to be a little bit closer to Sydney with the way that that team was set up and what we saw them being more than capable of against the Mariners. We all did. I mean, in the, season, in the match preview the week before, we all thought that the Raw would give Sydney a really good game on Saturday night, and that we were clearly completely wrong on that because they were... If they were the second best team, they weren't by much because the referees had a pretty good game as well. And the Raw were dreadful. They were... The first half, they... Well, I don't even know if they were there in the first half, really. It was... Oh, they've had some bad performances in recent years. This, to me, is the worst performance they've had. Certainly, it's the worst performance this group has had collectively. It was... Again, it's, I can only say it was poor. And look, they're not going to have a perfect performance every single week. And I think we can all, you know, accept that as fact. But, yeah, it's just... At, from the start, they looked like they were a little bit... A little bit behind chasing, obviously, and going down so early in, what, the seventh minute. It really just meant that they had too much to do uh, too early on and this is a side that I think it has goals in it but I'm not sure how many week in week out I don't, I don't think it's a side that's built to chase I think um, you get more than two goals behind I think you'd almost uh, from from what we've seen so far I just don't think there's a I just don't think there's a a plan I don't, I don't think they counterattack quick enough and when we've said this from the beginning that's not and that's not such a well, I won't say a not bad thing but I, I think if they go down 2-0 very very quickly on um, it's going to take a mighty effort for them to get back maybe like to Melbourne City probably the exception where they, they came back in that game but um, but yeah against, against a competent team like Sydney who just absolutely just it was, it was a blitzkrieg and funnily enough looking at the stats after the game you couldn't believe wouldn't believe that you know that the Raw actually had more shots and goal had more possession had more corners yet they're 5-1 down on the scoreboard on the um, count that matters so it's just one of those performances, it, like, it was a bad night, um, and yeah, look, that's, that's, but you've got to give credit also to Sydney as well. They, like I said, they, they clearly are the best team in the league at the moment, and I think there's going to be a few teams, if they show up in that sort of mood, they're going to, you know, they're going to cop it, but if that's if they get left, let in like that, like the Raw did. Well, actually, that's one thing I'm curious about with those stats, and, you know, this is something I actually want, wouldn't mind getting some feedback from uh, the listeners on, so, you know, leave a comment or send in a tweet or an email or whatever. I'm, I'm curious if they think that stat was maybe a case of the Raw getting over their slow start and having to chase a game, and how much of it had to do with Sydney basically going, all right, well, it's 3-0 after 41 minutes, we've got this game won. I think there was a bit of a bright, like, a bright patch sort of, you know, sort of midway through the second half where the Raw was starting to sort of, you know, they were sort of working their way in. I, I probably a combination as well, Sydney sort of took the, you know, the foot off the gas as well. And, um, yeah, but then, obviously, the two late goals really sort of, you know, made it, you know, respectable to absolutely, you know, ugly. And and, and, the, and the way those two goals were scored late as well, you know, Bahadur especially just, you know, just absolutely tearing down the wing and just, you know, slotting it past Jamie Young. And, yeah, it was really, you know, yeah, it really, any any sort of, you know, consolation out of it was really taken away when that, that, that fourth and fifth goal was gone, gone in. I really don't think there's any consolation to take out of it. Also, one, Actually, no, I have one good consolation. Can I just tell you that before we do, you do that? Yeah. They've gone behind in five games so far this season. One win, one draw, three losses. Well, that yeah. kind so of tells you all you need to know. Yeah. But, okay, so the one small consolation, my uh, match preview for work, I'd Sydney to win and both teams to score. Thank you, Roy O'Donovan. <laughs> well, there you go. There's one for you. I will say, I, there's not much you can take out of it positively from the Brisbane Raw, but I know you're a positive guy, James, so I'll give you one thing. I give Robbie Fowler huge credit for what he did at halftime, making those two changes to bring on Daniel Bowles and Isaac Powell for Macaulay Gillespie and Brad Inman. It did seem to make a bit of a difference. I know Sydney FC probably thought, okay, we've got the game in hand, we'll just control things, but 
they did look a bit better when they went to that back three with with Daniel Bowles in there and Isaac Powell pushing forward on the left hand side. It did look a little bit better. Definitely. Well, and that I'd... was a positive team actually. Right, I'm not happy with this. I'm going to make some big changes here. And in fairness, it did work out better for him in the second half. It did to an extent. I yeah, still to an extent. Yeah. I honestly think that at that point, I don't know why you're making a sub at the back. Like, I, I love the fact that he, you know, Fowler at least is aggressive enough to go and say, all right, I'm making these changes. My plan didn't work out. Let's make these changes. And I'm starting to think, like, I'm starting to see a few more clear roles for some of these players at the back. Like, Daniel Bowles seems like the sort of player that you'll bring in when maybe you want to go for a little bit more of an attacking setup. Gillespie might be a better, you know, tackler and whatnot, but maybe not as good on the ball. No, no, just yeah. speculation, but I honestly don't know why at that point you've got to make a change in your defensive group. You've got three centre-backs there already, and look, Isaac Powell definitely made an impact. I hope we see a lot more of him going forward, but you've got Jai Ingham there, who also did turn, uh, change that match up at uh, Redcliffe as well, where they did have that comeback for the win against Melbourne City. I just... And, and you know, it's nothing against um, Daniel Bowles, but... Surely you want to go a lot more attacking there. Like, if you still think you've got a chance of getting anything out of this game, even if it is just getting it back to 3-2 and saying, hey, we won the second half, why are you trying to make changes at the back and go into... At, at the time, I thought damage limitation. Oh, I think that's a good question. I think that, you know, that probably needs to be asked of Robbie Fowler because for, for mine, if, if I had a, a way of looking at it, I think it's a case of, you know, what... He's just going to go for it, you know. Maybe a bit of, as, as Scott said, bit of stability that you know that Daniel Bowles sort of brings, you know, in that in that middle three, and then sort of you know really going attacking down the wings, you know, with the wing backs. But uh, yeah, look at that stage when you're three 0 down, you're looking for anything, and you know maybe it's a case of you know Robbie Fowler wasn't satisfied with uh, Macaulay Gillespie's performance, and just this, you know, it's a way of sort of saying you know just give him the hook. The same with Brad Emman, you know, maybe maybe that's it. I, I don't know. That's something you'd probably have to ask him. I think that's probably a bit of that. I also think he just wanted to change system. So from a back four to a back three, and that did release ne- Scott Neville and Isaac Powell to get further forward. So it did give you that. Instead of having the wingers in the attacking centre, gave you two centre forwards and two wing backs pushing forward. So it did give you a different look in attack, which probably also gives you a bit more control, having that extra player in that central area. So I think that might have been part of it. Just trying to... I also think shoring things up was a big part. About 3-0 down... A part of a part of Robbie Fowler is probably thinking, I don't want this to be six or seven, something like that. So make a change at the back to stabilise that. Put another player in an attacking position, change things up a little bit because he brought Aaron Amadi Holloway on pretty early in the second half as well. So he made his three changes early. I think it was just completely just change the shape and see what he can get out of it in terms of just trying a different look. Because obviously what they tried in the first half clearly was unsuccessful. And you know, while I don't agree with the whole. Uh, going to that well, with the substitute of the defender I do you know I do have to say after how many seasons and how many former managers that uh, didn't make changes until the 81st minute if we were lucky yeah. it's nice to see some changes yep. at half time absolutely I think it's one thing at least that you know he's not going to die wondering that you know he's going to give if he's replaced us as much time as possible to try and you know do something even if it was say you know in vain effort um, as it was like 3-0 like, and it was yeah, you know, that, that's a, that's a TKO in the first round almost. Um, and if you've taken boxing parlons, that that was that was how clinical Sydney FC were against the Roars. That yeah, they, you couldn't you, you had no faith that you know, even three 0 down that you know they they weren't coming back. In fact, it was going to be by how far. Look, Robbie Fowler is brave. You've got to give him credit for that. You've pit, some people out there are questioning his coaching abilities. I think this is a really good aspect of his management. He is willing to make the early change. If he sees something not working, 
he'll change it because he did bring on John Courtney Perkins after half an hour and so going against Melbourne City up in Redcliffe. He brought um, Jai Ingham on at half time, which, as you mentioned, had a fantastic impact in the second half. So he's not afraid to make those changes early. He's not, not going to wait to 60, 65 minutes like some other managers would do and think, I'll just let wait, wait, and then bring them on later. No, he'll bring them in early. I do like that. I think that's a good. I think that's a really good aspect of his management. That's it, and it is that sort of thing where he can at least get into that player's mindset of going, "All right, well, you know, I can't. I I know what what it's like to be in this situation. I'm sure he was in it at least a few times at Liverpool. No comment. <laughs> no comment. But yeah, you know, like, I I I just want to see. I want to see more, I suppose, from the start because that's the thing. Slow starts have been such a big problem for the Royal, and we'll get onto this in segment four when we're previewing the Western United game, but. Oh man! Like, do, can they just get a first half goal? Well, that's well, that's the, that's the sort of stat, the stat line that Fox is trotting out every single week, and you know ad nauseum in the, in the pre-game show and during commentary. Oh, that Raw have no not scored a first half goal. Blah blah blah. And look, that, that's probably it is probably you know, a fair assessment. But you know, at the end of the day, it's not the fact that they haven't scored. It's how many goals have been conceded in the first half is probably what's the more telling thing. And, you know, three goals, you know, in the first half on Saturday night was pretty much, it was, it was ball game. Yeah, definitely. Uh, look, there's, there's a lot that they do still need to work on, obviously. But, yeah, I think uh, this is also that time of the season where we probably can do our first uh, A-League table update Before as well. you do, defensively, there is also room for improvement, as you point out, because yeah. the first few weeks of the season, they all were really good defensively. The last two weeks, they had started to concede a concerning number of goals. You think back to the three against Melbourne City, the goals that Wellington scored as well. There's a, it's starting to stack up the goals against now. Yeah, tightening up at the back is probably a. So again, thinking ahead to segment four with our preview, tightening up at the back will probably be something they'll look to do going they, into Friday night's game. Though they were they were eight eight and eight uh, going into the game, so a five one loss obviously will not make the. Um, We'll not make the goal difference look good. Yeah, but uh, look, just one other thing as well is that you know I think as well obviously you know after um, I guess people are a bit emotional after you know a big loss and all that and already you know those are starting to question Robbie Fowler's you know you know credentials as a coach and you know it's time for change or anything like that. It's eight games. Like if I if I um would like to recall the past. I, I, I remember a certain ma- uh, certain coach that was beaten 5-1 in his first season. So, look, at the end of the day, if you're going to throw the, uh, no, the baby out the bathwater, well, then, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. You know, no, I'm, I'll speak cryptically because it leads into something we'll, we'll talk about later. But, um, but, yeah, look, at the end of the day, you know what? It's not good enough. I think I think everyone, as you say, even Robbie Fowler said it's not acceptable. But you know what? This whole sort of, you know, macro picture of, oh, you know, we start questioning Robbie Fowler's ability as coaching. Give it a rest, please. It's eight games. Exactly. And look, it is eight games, but it's one third of the way through the season. Hang on, let me do my quick maths. More there. or less, yeah. pretty close to. There or thereabouts, yes. Yeah, so I know. Uh, yeah, I, yeah I, I'm totally on board with that, Adam. I, just, I don't see the point in panicking and trying to go for that quick-fire change. Like, you don't want to turn into those, well, you know, big clubs in Europe that basically just change management. That's, that's, not, that's not the A-League way. It's like I said, yeah. as much as people want to think it is and they think that it's solutions, the A-League's a lot different animal to, to Europe. You know, like I said, my club, your club, in Europe, in, in England are going for the same thing where we've sacked a coach. It's, that's not the A-League way. So if it was, I'd still be comfortable with Robbie Fowler in round eight in 2000 and 2021, provided it's not a complete disaster, he doesn't lose every game from here on in. But they said to, to 
it's a question right now. It's just we all knew what we're signing up for. It's just you now at the end of the day, I just think focus on other things. You know, it, yep, admittedly not a great performance. It's, probably, it's the worst performance of the season, hands down. But give give the coach and the squad a chance to atone this Friday night. Definitely. Well, that's it. Yeah, eight games. It's still a long way to go. And the good news for the Raw is, you know, if you again want to look at the silver linings, which surprisingly I like to unlike Twitter. Um, <laughs> 5th to 11th, you've got three points between them. Well, what about to the top four? Because that's really what matters. Uh, you've got your five points behind uh, Friday Two night's points. Yeah. So, and look, a five-point deficit at this point of the yeah. season is certainly not fatal by any stretch of the imagination. Again, we'll get into this later. It's not about making the top six. It's about actually achieving something when you get there. But we'll get to that later. The one thing I am willing to say quite definitively, though, don't think the Roar are going to win the Premier's plate. I don't no, think anybody don't think anyone is going to win that. No. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, we should also just point out quickly, yeah, Sydney, seven wins, one loss, in that, and that was just the derby, which I'm pretty yep. sure Robbie Slater is still trying to work out if the ball was over the line or not. But <laughs> He's also one. doing um, some rhythmic gymnastics to try and talk himself out of some other previous statements about mm. a former national team coach. As podcasters, yeah. we would never say anything stupid either, would we? Never. <laughs> All right, so that'll do it for segment one of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this to talk about the W League. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And welcome back to the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam with you on this Wednesday evening. Our other co-host has actually gone downstairs with her favourite owner now, and we'd like to thank her for her minimal contribution in the first segment. As I said in the break-off fair, that's the best hosting we've had on this show in a long time. <laughs> Far more professional than anything any of these other hosts on this show could come up with. Hey, you're going to miss me when I'm gone. I'm not, <laughs> not to sound all anarchist. I'm not just throwing you under the bus. I'm not I'm not excluding myself from that discussion <laughs> either. Yes, yeah, so oh, if only you'd heard the outtakes from uh, some of the post-season, <laughs> post-game shows and cold oh, opens. Oh, yeah. Anyway. You could sell that stuff. All right, so that was the uh, rough part of the show that we had to get through in segment one. Now we're into the fun part in segment two where we get to talk about the two Raw sides that had wins over the weekend and we're going to start down in Canberra last Thursday night with the W League picking up with the W League outfit picking up their first win of the season 1-0 against Canberra United Adam um, yeah it was actually 2-1 2-1 but, uh, I, but yeah no never mind I'm looking at the wrong result never mind <laughs> fair enough yeah no look um, this is a good performance uh, congratulations to Jake Goodchip on his first win as a W League coach um, but look I think Brisbane they were they were good for probably you know I'd say 55 minutes or so, and then, then, but there's always that feeling that you know if Canberra got one back, that you know, the second wasn't going to be far, you know, far behind. And they sort of, I think the um, the girls actually did well to sort of hold out Canberra in the end and actually take all three points. They made heavy weather of it in the end, didn't they? I mean, you think well, the save laid on from Mackenzie Arnold is, if we look back on this season in mm. a couple of months' time, that could be crucial. That two points gained from that save could be monumental. It was a massive win for the Roar. And, Adam's right, they played really well in the first half. Well, they started the game really well. Yep. For a side which had lost their first two games, probably knowing they have to win this game down in Canberra, they started really brightly. And The first goal from Tamiki Yellett was exceptional, and the second goal was much needed as well. But it was it was a bright performance from the Roar, and you could see things start to click, which is encouraging. Mackenzie Arnold with the um, assist as well in the second goal for Hayley Rasso. Yeah, it was a really well-set-out thing. And like my big takeaway from this game was just... It's amazing seeing how much Mackenzie Arnold has actually progressed in the last few years. Like, even just since we've been doing this show and really covering them in a lot more depth, it's just the fact that 
Like Arnold, you know, I, I will admit when we first started covering her, I was like, oh, a little bit of a liability, but now she's one of the rocks of the team. Oh, look, the best, the best, you know, compliment you can give, you know, a goalkeeper is that, you know, when you're supporting a side is that, you know what, you have no trepidation and worry about, you know, that, you know, that the, the back is safe. And that, and, that, and, that, and that's what you get from Mackenzie Arnold, you know. Obviously, she, she is, you know, clearly, you know, in the, in the top one or two keepers, you know, as far as the national team goes, she's always picked, you know. It's always a toss-up between her and Lydia Williams. But, look, she she's always reliable. And look, she, yeah, her, her improvement has just been, in the last two two seasons or so, has been just, you know, it's been remarkable. If there was a vote on player of the year right now, Mackenzie Arnold would surely win. Which is, so on the performances yeah. that Mackenzie's had in the first three games, I know they lost the first two games, but some of the saves that were made in those games were brilliant it could have been much worse without those saves so I think she would have to be player of the year so far for Laura and again much improved you're right from when Mackenzie first arrived a couple of years ago yeah absolutely I think yeah well okay we can only praise her so much without making it sound like we're starting the Mackenzie Arnold fan club here however (laughs) I think overall from the team as well like the maturity that they showed to hold on to that game and close it out as well like those final few minutes with Katrina Gorey in the corner as well I think that was going to probably produce a gif of the season or gif gif whatever that was brilliant to to wind up the Canberra players the commentators the referees everyone the Canberra players it was the coach it was absolutely brilliant that is there's a word for that. I'm not sure I can say it on these (laughs) airways I think we'll call it clever yeah we'll go with that yeah. I know the word you're thinking. I yeah. agree. <laughs> yeah, and so changes to the starting lineup. Um, Isabel Dalton came in for Claire Farrington, and Celeste Brie moved into centre back. No, that's, that's actually important because when Celeste did go in, you think back to Canberra putting the Raw under tremendous pressure. Celeste isn't a natural centre back. To hold out for that last 15 minutes with only one one natural central defender in the in the lineup there. The player of the year, however. Yes. So. I think Claire Farrington came on with 30 seconds to go, nevertheless. But for Celeste Bray to be a part of that back four, which held Canberra out, I think it'll be massive confidence for her if that's going to be the role that Celeste plays for the remainder of the season. Yeah, definitely. All right. Um, we should also mention Hayley Rasso back on the score sheet again. So yeah. good, good to see that. Unfortunately, though, she seems to be irritating some opponents. Yeah, she seems to be getting um, serve her body parts in the wrong place and just getting stomped now and again. Like I said it's, it's twice in three weeks now she's been stomped. Like, no, nothing, no, no malice, you know, by her opponents. But it just seems to be, yeah, you, you always cringe, especially knowing her history as well with injuries. That you know, when she's down for rather in pain, you're thinking, oh, please get up. You know, mind you, like I said, compared to what she'd been through last year, I think you know, a, you know, a stomp to the to the hand or anything like that seems to be you know the least of her worries. I will say the big problem for her there, though, is like now she's got such a high bar of being able to come back from such a serious yeah. injury. That you know, some of the players might be saying, "Ah, oh, it's just a boot to the boot to the shoulder." Wasn't matter. It wouldn't hurt at all, would it? Never. Yeah, no. Well, had a terrific game though, Haley Razo scored a goal. Could have had, scored another couple of goals, but for a couple of chances which went awry. But she's right yeah. back to her best, and that's the encouraging thing for the Roar is that it only played a handful of games last year because of that horrendous injury, which we just talked about. But she's had that full season at Portland, and now we're seeing the best of Hayley Razzo back here in Brisbane. I think it could be a, bit, a big attacking outlet for the Raw. Well, it's night and day compared to you know what she was last yeah. year, just getting back from that injury. But now she's yeah doing, she's looking good and looking like one of the most dangerous attacking weapons that they've got. And 
having that outlet out wide is just such a big difference for this team as well. Yeah, look, that, that's exactly. I think it's also at the moment. This also it'd be remiss to sort of, you know, not mention also, you know, to Mickey Allop's form as well. Like since she's come back as well, I think it just it really is a very well-rounded uh, side of them. I know they got a slow start, and but they've got they've got at least Callum Knight to come back, which I I don't know if that complicates things or you know makes it even better. I think, I think that you, makes, you want. I think that simplifies. Yeah. Yeah, I think obviously it will juggle a few positions and whatnot. But look, I think um, certainly yeah, slow start. But you expect them now to start, you know, you know, getting some leaps and bounds as far as you know, climbing that that uh, ladder. But um, yeah, look, it's a it's a forms they needed, and I think you know they move forward and uh, take on Adelaide on Saturday afternoon. Yes, yeah, Saturday at Lions, four thirty p.m. And I think it's going to be a big game for both of these sides. Obviously, Adelaide um, on zero points, Roar on three. It's a game that basically. It, could almost be a loser leaves town game. Throw that stat out because that's absolutely relevant. It was actually Adelaide games last year which cost the raw because they'd lost both. They lost up at Lions last year and they lost in the final round of the regular Wait, season. What's that out? The what you mentioned about loser leaves town. <laughs> yeah, throw all that out because it does. They've lost the last two games against Adelaide. Let's just let's just hope that Sarah Wilson yeah. doesn't show up in her top form because otherwise she's going to be very very hard to stop. But she, listen, there's another. They are a different up. side now, but and, Ma- and they've got attack, Adelaide's been they've in got trouble. And Mary Fowler as well, yeah. so. Adelaide's been a tricky side for the Raw, so mm. as much as you think it might be a, a comfortable game at home, oh, no, 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 I'm, this is not, a this is a tricky one. I, I think a desperate Adelaide side is something that they really are going to have to worry about. Yeah. I think overall, like it, it's more of a like if the Raw win and get up to six points this weekend, and Adelaide is still on zero, I think that means that their yeah. season could be you know yeah. down the drain already. And if the Raw, you know, don't get all three points and wind up having to chase down, you know, Canberra or whoever's in fourth place, that puts them in a really precarious position as well with, you know, one win from their first four matches. But I think also as well, I think that just shows how tight and how, you know, how sort of competitive this league is going to is and is going to be. I think the first three weeks has proven what we already know is that, you know, there, there's a, any, like, you probably could say, you know, seven of the nine I think are legitimate finals, you know, contenders. I think Perth might be the only one you say, oh, geez, they're going to, I think they're struggling at the moment. Um, they they just haven't been able to replace Sam Kerr, and um, look, Adelaide have had a bit of un, a bit bit unlucky as well. They probably should have picked up points in the opening game of the season. So even they, you'd say, you know what, they're there and about. So I think if if any teams would go into this into thinking, oh, it's an easy three points, they're really mistaken because this is a very very competitive um, competition at the moment. It is, but they raw have to win this game because to me, it's four teams out of five. It's the two Sydney teams, the two Melbourne teams, and Brisbane are the teams that look to be a level above. And one of them is not going to make the finals. As you keep dropping points, they've lost, the Raw have obviously dropped points to two of those teams already. So they need to pick up points here. And Adelaide, as I mentioned, is a tricky opponent for the Raw historically, but they they have to win this game. They've got, they've got the win last week. Hopefully they can carry that momentum through an important home game. Well, that's also where they need to turn their home ground into the advantage yeah. well, because like, that's two home games, yeah. two losses. And, you know... Not to go too heavy on the plug here, but like when you got someone like the Rawcore actually there yeah. to really, you know, give you that home ground atmosphere, you've got to make the most of it because it is something that is very unique to the W League. It's very unique to Brisbane Raw. There's no other club in the W League which has an active supporter group. Yeah, that's what I mean. Following them, all the other clubs when they come up here, they probably love to play up here because they don't get that atmosphere when they play at their grounds. Yeah, so it, it's three points they've got to have. So it's Saturday, 4:30 p.m. kickoff at Lions. Get there if you can, because I think it's going to be a really good game. It's an important game. All right. Let's move on. Y-League. Uh, probably the most comfortable result of the entire weekend. 
for the Raw, Brisbane 4, Perth nil over in Perth as well. Uh, goals to George Mells, Dante Mariner, and then a second half break brace from former Lions NPL starlet Keegan Yelichich. Yelichich? Yelichich? Yeah. I probably should work yeah. that out. <laughs> you, should, you should work that out. You've, but anyway, look, it's they're cruising at the moment, the young Raw. Three games played, seven points. They're yet to concede a goal. They look like they're cruising at the moment. They've got some really good players and they're clicking. It's really encouraging. They're yet to concede a goal in a competition where goals seem to be coming cheaper than ever. Yes. That's, um, that's probably the most impressive... Look, forget the scores. Like, that's probably the most impressive thing, I think, that uh, the coaches staff... You know, at, for you, said Chris Grossman and Mark Kerwin-Pierre. Kerwin, Mark, John-Pierre. <laughs> yeah, sorry. sorry. I <laughs> hope apologies. I haven't butchered that. Yeah. Um, we'll they, they, right. They'd be very impressed with is that they are, I haven't conceded a goal yet. And that's nothing. And you see, in youth football, that, that is everything because, yeah, goals are just flying everywhere. But, um, yeah, look, uh, Keegan Yelchich, uh, two goals. Uh, he's he's obviously sort of, you know, picking up from his form from the uh, under-17 World Cup. But I think also George Mellon's getting on the score sheet and, and playing a full 90. I think that uh, says something as well. Yeah. Might talk the... about him in segment four, but mm. it's interesting. There's some really good young players in this side, which I wouldn't, I'm really looking forward to seeing them play at home against Western United, not against Adelaide United on Saturday morning up in Redcliffe because, again, we talk about the struggles of the A-League side. There might be some solutions here. Yeah. And it'd be interesting to see if who does put their hand up if things don't go well against Western United. But Adam mentioned the defence. There's some A-League players in that defence which are on the way back as well. I think Jack Inge played another hour. 62 minutes, yeah. according to this. Yep. And uh, Conor O'Toole got, nine, yep. got the yep. full 90 as well. So. That, that, that obviously helps having their experience. You'd, you'd hope that the players of that calibre would not be conceding goals, but but that said, they haven't been playing. Yeah. But so you can't, you can't, you can't just say, oh, it's because of O'Toole and Hingert that they're not scoring goals. At the end of the day, you've got to, you know, give respect to, you know, you know, Aaron Reid and Kai Truon especially. You know, they've, they've, you know, been there as well. Emlyn Wellsmore and Hassan Ramazani, who didn't, who obviously didn't play, make the trip. But obviously, that's that collectively a defence and also young um, Jackson Simpkin, who I, I think he's only played, you know, maybe 20 minutes. I think he came off the bench. Um, in game one. So that defensive group at the moment and Macklin Freak in, in goals. Yeah, well that's, a, uh, well, that's a big thing as well is just the fact that, yes, they've got those experienced players, but we, how many times have we seen first teamers play Y-League and actually really struggle because there's, the pace is a little bit higher. Yeah, there's a, a, certain, yeah. a certain defender that's now playing for Wellington we thought might have struggled a little bit. Uh... Well, in his return from <laughs> yeah, Major Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean that with, you know... I, I've seen no some other players, not Dulik Devere, but other players who've <laughs> really struggled in the wild just because they don't put the effort in. Not mm. just from the Raw. From, yeah. like, we've seen that from uh, teams that have come up to yeah, face yeah. the Raw and ha- yep. they've had A-League contracted players struggle mm. with this, like with the level of... Well, not with the level of play, but with the... Yeah style of play. I think it's also the fact they're not really motivated to show themselves yeah. at that level, but... Yeah. yeah, they are playing in the yeah. Y League for a reason. It's Either interesting, way. the Raw have done really well to put this squad together. Obviously, Warren Moon knows the NPL Queensland extensively and he's leaned on that because he's cherry-picked he's four yeah. or five really good players and it's clicking really well. And there's just probably another good two or three players, I think, you know, once the the A-League players get back into the senior squad, you know, maybe the back end of the season, that I think are going to be just as good, um, you know, coming through, who are not even getting a start at the moment, not even in the squad. So, I think this, yeah, I think, yeah, the fence, the fence is on. I think I think we're very, very confident that, you know, that, you know, barring some you know, adverse results, that, you know, that they'll win Conference A and go to the final. Now, you know the one thing that they do need to fix up with the Y League? Put broadcaster games. I don't care if it's Facebook yeah. Live or something. Just yeah. show us these games. Yeah, just stream them. Just stream them. And if, on, put them on the My Football Live app and or KO Sports, whatever you want. 
just stream them like you do the non-broadcast W League games. It would just be so much easier. No, I know Adam covered the game for us on Sunday morning. It was... <laughs> I know it's really difficult. Like, I know how difficult yeah. it is to cover those because you're relying on basically club tweets and some clubs don't or, cover the games extensively. Or if we're lucky, uh, like a podcast from over yeah. over there will also try and give that uh, service out as well. Yeah, obviously, and I, and I think the one thing I'd like to say, you know, without Trump, Trump, uh, trumping our trumpet, is that, you know, we obviously, you know, cover it extensively, so and I know a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, fans, you know, from other clubs obviously follow us to keep an eye on uh, on the Youth League, especially. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I'd, I'd love to. So I'd actually love to see it streamed. In short, tell your friends. Mm. Yes. All right, that'll do it for segment two of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. It's time for segment three of the Brisbane Football Review now. It's James Scott and Adam here with you. And, well, we've actually got some news to talk about this week. So, well, actually got quite a few stories. So, why don't we get started? Soccer has been drawn in the southern zone for Copa America 2020 with Argentina, Paraguay, Uruguay, Chile and Bolivia. Top four go through to the uh, quarterfinals. So, any chance, Scott? I don't care. I only care that we get to play Uruguay in a competitive game for the first time since 2005. <laughs> Bring it on. I'm just, I, I think that's the first game of the group for the soccer is in the Copa America next year, so that's going to be... See that or Argentina? It's, no, I think it's the second game, it's, I believe. I, I really cannot wait for that game. But look, the top, top four sides go through in that group. It's probably between them and Paraguay. Yeah. You think about Bolivia is probably there, typically a team in South America who struggle to get results. Paraguay have been a bit down since they last made the World Cup a decade or so ago. Roque Santa Cruz era. It could very well be a battle battle between Australia and Paraguay for that fourth spot behind Chile, Uruguay and Argentina. Yeah, absolutely. Well, And, you know, obviously wanting the Socceroos to do well, but... Sorry, I got completely lost my own sentence structure there. Well done, James. I'm just excited to see the Socceroos doing it. And, like, when the draw was going on at, uh, at work on um, Wednesday morning... There was also the um, no it wasn't uh, much of a draw. I know it was uh, it was what forty minutes of flashing rolls. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was the. Uh, oh, I did all of them because I had to do the match order. Oh, yeah, oh did they? Oh, yeah. God, I, I did. I did oh. see this. Like, I did give a ma- the massive cheer when I realised Australia were in Group A. It, the one downside of that though was uh, the YouTube live stream didn't come with subtitles and it was all in Spanish. Well, and I was trying to remember back to what uh, first semester two thousand and eight at uh, yeah. uni introduction to Spanish. But um, yeah, it was the most drawn out ceremony since the Super Bowl pregame. It was damn well drawn out because they drew Australia out first. I started cheering. Yes, they're in Group A. Then I was oh crap, they've got to do the <laughs> which group are they in? So I just sweat that out again. But oh. yeah, I just. Yeah, no. I All don't. of us who were what, saw that 2001 and 2005 series against the Uruguay, it's just it's personal. It yeah, it it did just feel like you know when are they when are they going to get to the fireworks factory? Yeah, look, and that's uh, look at the end of the day, I, I don't have much expectation. Like, I just it's good that Australia will play you know at least it's going to be fun. You know, at least five quality you know friendlies. You know, when otherwise, you know, generally in that sort of time, you know, you're taking on you know minnows from from elsewhere. So it's it's a it's a Pretty big deal as far as that. Results-wise, you know what? As long as I don't get blanked 0-5, you know, and get beat 
4 0 every game. Look, I think it'd be satisfying. I think it's built into a bigger thing. I think it's just yeah. being there is, you know, is good. But like I said, yeah. like a win or two, and especially to beat Uruguay. It's it's perfect, really, because we don't really have a lot of tournament play between World Cup to World Cup, because the Asian Cup is Straight six after, months. It's, it's really pointless in terms of a development tool for the next World Cup. So to have this tournament two years out from, or two and a half years out from the next World Cup, it's it's a, it's really really it's a, that it's a real boost that we haven't had for a long time to have this tournament play and a chance for Grandma to test himself and his squad in that environment. Look, I think it's also as well, you know, the, the shifting nature of international football now with the advent of the UEFA Nations League and whatnot, which means that you know you're not going to get as many friendlies against you know, say European nations, you know, other than you know in the shadows of a World Cup. So I think you know, to actually be able to have the play sort of, you know, intercontinental against you know, you know, the best of South America, I think you know, that's, that's only going to be a good thing. Definitely. All right, and uh, speaking of the Socceroos, we should also congratulate former manager Ange Postacoglu and Brisbane Roar ah, icon. Yes. I'm, I'm still claiming him as a Roar icon. The great Ange Postacoglu. Yep. Yes, so I think we won't go to Sir Ange Postacoglu. That might be a bit presumptuous, but um, yeah, get him to the Emirates. <laughs> it's not the craziest thing you've ever heard, right? Because yeah. he he's done such a great job over there. You think back to it, I think he was nearly relegated last year with Yokohama, but like the Raw when they, he started up stuff poorly here, the Raw stuck with him, Yokohama stuck with him, and he did terrifically over there. And I saw that game on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, Gee, so they're a great side to watch. It's, it's, it's a joy to watch an Ange team play, and... All you can say is congratulations to him for what is a terrific achievement. The thing that I love the most about it, they just had Yokohama Marinos just had to avoid losing by four goals. So they go out and win 3-0 while being reduced to 10 players. Yeah, I think it's also as well congratulations to Rakuten Sports for only momentarily crashing under the weight of the full full interest of soccer Twitter in Australia. They wouldn't have... They may not have seen that coming. But uh, obviously that's how much that, you know... You know the, how much Ange Postecoglou means to to you know Australian football fans. And, you know, obviously they were willing on um, Yokohama to to at least hold on, but to win gloriously like that, I think it's um, yeah, I think it's it's, it's a great fit. And you know whether that puts him, I think it puts him as you know in the top couple as far as you know greatest coaches of all time Australia produced. I, I still don't know where it sits. Obviously history is very, very hard to sort of line up, but you know, he's up there and he's earned it. And like I said, it'd be interesting. I'd like to see him, see him now go on by in at Yokohama, maybe win a Champions League, then then Europe. Well, they did have the Asian Champions League draw last night as well, and he got drawn against Sydney FC. So 8-0, please. <laughs> I was thinking about recruiting sports. I mean, it's, it's great to see a, an upstart streaming company not have issues an upstart streaming company that can afford sponsorship on Barcelona. And also yes. not, you know, blackout, cut out, all those sorts of problems another streaming company has. Hey, as yeah. it, at least you mentioned that at 10 minutes as well. Ange loves to get his reserve goalkeeper for an entitled deciding games, doesn't he? Yeah, exactly. He loves to do that. Shout out to Andrew Redmayne. Yep, <laughs> definitely. All right. Um, yeah, so well done, Ange. Um, Socceroos news as well. Mark Milligan retires from the Socceroos after 80 caps and four World Cups. I think we all saw that coming. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Right? He didn't play in the first two World Cups he was at, but he's become such an important part of that side. It's intriguing to who'll be the next captain because there's not a lot of options. You look at it, Sainsbury. Tom Rog. Oh, that's my that's why I would go with. But Tom Rogic and Aaron Moy are the highest profile players. But neither of them strike you as a leadership type player. Matt Ryan maybe, but again, then you're back to a goalkeeper. I would go with Sainsbury, but there's not a lot of clear options out there. 
I was, I was actually going to say maybe Matt Ryan if they if they want to keep her as captain. Um, but yeah, the other, other obvious choice obviously is Trent Sainsbury. So yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. But uh, look, yeah, no, irrespective of what you're thinking at club at club level, you know, well done, Mark Milligan. You know, great servant to the Socceroos. You know, I dislike and... Melbourne victory, Mark Milligan, but that's obviously Sydney FC. Mark yeah. Milligan wasn't much good either. Yeah, but look, congratulations to him. You know, like I said, you know, obviously eighty caps. You know, he served his country well. Yeah, definitely. Um, left field suggestion for next soccer is captain, though. Uh, Matthew Leckie. Yeah, it's possible, too. That's yeah. a possibility. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just genuinely yeah. thinking, yeah. like, rolling through the squad, like, who are you going to see week in, week out? You probably couldn't have the striker because it's going to be Taggart or McLaren. So I'm going to let everyone south and west of here. Robbie Cruz for captain. Hey. Make it happen. You know it makes sense. <laughs> Vote one Robbie 2020. <laughs> that would be funny. Um... Now some local news as well. You got FQ uh, sanctioning Olympic FC for the flare at the grand final. Three thousand dollars plus a suspended three point deduction. All right. I think cool. that's the more important thing is if it happens again, the three point penalty. We've seen that with the West Sydney Wanderers hanging over their head a couple of times in the A League. That would actually, if that's the, that's the real penalty here, the potential to lose three points next season if something happens again. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a nice reminder of look, go have some fun. The Olympic fans are great yeah. like obviously FFA Cup we saw them and look Olympic and Gold Coast Knights at the grand final that was just yeah. phenomenal yeah, I think it was just a little sour by the by the flare and again and you the, know we don't want to open up this, oh, this whole flares debate and we won't but yeah look I think it was just it was a step too far yeah, and look I think you know I'm wondering what, what took FQ so long to actually that this happened in September. You now it's now December, and all of a sudden it's been. So I'm not sure what's happened there, but you now at least something's been done. You know, yeah, it's a monetary fine and the suspension. I think. Look, I'm I'm pretty comfortable with that. Uh, yeah. with that punishment. There's some good active support around the NPL. So you mentioned Olympic and and Gold Coast Knights. The pit with Western Pride are really good former as well. Former NPL, yeah. They're former, but they're still yeah, also, yeah, no, in general the competition. You've got the potential pit... power as well. I've got a. A good visual support, maybe not vocally, but you've got some good visual active support up there as well. It's growing around the league, which is encouraging. I'll guarantee you that the pit will be the best active support in the QPL. We'll send you to Lipswich Derby to cover it. <laughs> Works for me. So, as long as James is calling it. And Eric Evans, though. Oh, please, no. <laughs> <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm not seated near FQ? a plane... Yeah, my request. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, as long as I'm not sitting next to a player's family, I'll be fine. <laughs> All right, um, and uh, back to the Raw as well. Mike Mulvey taking Brisbane Raw back to court over payment related to his 2014 sacking. This story just came out this afternoon, Scott. Yeah, it happened about midday, didn't it? We saw it pop up. It is related to the 2014 thing. It's hard to really comment on because we don't. We're know not it. lawyers, and we don't pretend. We to don't be. know the ins and outs, but we know. I I did based on the stories I've read. It it lapsed because Mike Mulvey went overseas to coach in in Asia. So there's a, I think there's a time limit on when you can go through these things that lapsed he was in court today I don't know what's going to happen with it but we've told this story a few times but like I, I still just remember the day that he got sacked I was down at uh, Harbour Town shopping for a USA trip with my girlfriend now wife and yeah I was sitting on my phone the whole time not earning a lot of brownie points going oh my god what is going on well uh, Scott and I were both at Goodwin Park for yes. a youth game against Perth Glory I can tell you that's probably the least interested I've ever been in a football <laughs> game was that day and especially being a Raw Youth League game watching sort of the staff and whatnot, and that that was it was a very very surreal day so look either way let's just hope this gets sorted out you know Mike Mulvey gets what he's entitled to that you know and look it's not like my, my, my worry is that you know that this is going to be picked up as oh, a harbinger again of you know oh, you know, 
financial times, you know, dark times for the Raw and all that. Look, these things happen all the time. It's just let the courts do their job. Mike Mulvey gets what he deserves, and you know, it's just a you know underline in, in history, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. I think I get to an era where we're all just happy to say, "All right, it's happened. We're on to." And look, and there, it's and an issue from the from issue of the past popping up now. It's yeah. not anything new. And I also will say because because of this sort of mess as well, this is why that you know in the A League you don't go second coaches mid season because of payouts like this. So look, there's, there's a reason why this is the last time it happened in the league. You know, and like I said, and we're still talking about five years later. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we will be seeing Mike Mulvey uh, locally as well this season as uh, technical director at Western Pride. The best active support in QPL. Definitely. All right, now... put that on a flag. <laughs> <laughs> now, we did have another uh, bit of audio. We were thinking of getting to the a- Andy Harper stuff from after the game on Saturday, or was it Sunday? It was on the Sunday shootout program. Yeah. Okay, that explains why I didn't hear it. I was at the work Christmas party. I'm actually thinking timing-wise, we might just hold off on that because I think we're going pretty good for time and we'll get on to segment four with our Western United preview. Okay. Sounds good. All right, we'll be back after this. This is the Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. All right, welcome back to the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here on this Wednesday evening, wherever you're listening to us, whether it's through the podcast or on FNR. And if you are listening to us on FNR and have actually joined us a little bit late, you can always download the podcast on iTunes, Wooshka, uh, Spotify, TuneIn Radio. We've got quite a few outlets to get people to listen to us. good podcasts I heard. Exactly. Um, yeah, and if you want to check us out on the socials, uh, the Raw Review, long story with Facebook, we're not going to get into it now, Twitter at BNE Football, and our email, BrisbaneFootballReview at gmail.com. We might get into it next week when we've got more time, potentially. See what? if we can get some A yearly change. appeal? Uh, I thought it was six monthly. Anyway. Yeah, move on. Segment four, we always close out with our A-League preview for the weekend coming, so... Let's talk about the Raw's game Friday night against Western United at Suncorp Stadium. Now, this is normally where we would also read off, you know, a bit of history between the two sides, but that's non-existent. Yay, it's like a first meme. Someone different! <laughs> at least four or five years, isn't it? First, yeah. I guess the first time I played a, a new team. Last one probably would have been... Wanderers round three, that 2012. The team from WA in the Cup they played would have been the last time they played a... Oh, Champions League. Anyway. Oh, I thought you just meant in the A-League. Oh, yeah. It's been a while. So yeah. they played a new opponent. Yeah, well, that would have been... Um, no, Sterling Lions, that was 2014. Don't mention the Champions League. We won't mention that. Yeah. We won't mention the last time I played a team in the Champions League. Yeah. Yeah. So, last time in the A-League, it was actually yeah. the Western Sydney Wanderers. Yeah. Uh, it was that was at Suncorp as well, actually. I know. It yeah. was the one home game that season that I actually missed, and it was a goal from Mark Bridge that... Uh, why not for the Wanderers? Let's just hope history doesn't repeat for uh, newbies uh, coming up to Suncorp for the first time. Well, Mark Bridge won't be there, but I do remember that was the Raw off back-to-back championships. And I think a lot of people were thinking, oh, Wanderers haven't won a game, haven't scored a goal. Raw are going really well. This will be the most comfortable win ever. Because that was the minute, week after they'd just beaten the victory 5-0. Absolutely. Well. Next next minute, no, not a comfortable win. A 1-0 loss. So yeah. hopefully history doesn't repeat on that front. We could see Bessart Brucia back, actually. And potentially his final game at Suncorp depending on if he does play on in the A-League next season. It's a ground where he's had tremendous success, of course, in the Orange. It'll be good to see him back. I'm still bitter at him moving to Melbourne Victory, but I'm actually really looking forward to seeing him back at Suncorp Stadium. He is, he's one of those fun players to watch. Like Whether you love him or hate him, 
he gets you interested. Yeah, look, that's like I said, he is still you know he's he's lean goal scorer for the Raw. Um, yeah, look, it, look, it'd be good good to see him back. You know, hopefully he doesn't have to score too many goals. Um, otherwise, it might be another long night. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I think it's a, I guess there was a chance that we didn't think that we'd actually would see him again in the A League after after his move to uh, the J League last season. Yeah. So all right. Let's talk about the rule. Obviously, so we've seen a uh, few changes to the side. Well, we, we all think there are a few changes yeah. coming to this side. Scott, you've got a few ideas you were saying before. We... I think what will happen is when Robbie Fowler makes a change in a game and it works for him, he sticks with it next week. Think back to Jordan Courtney Perkins coming in early for Melbourne in the game against Melbourne City. That worked really well. The next week, he earned he earned his start against Wellington and he stayed in the side ever since. So you think about the changes made at the weekend. Daniel Bowles came in. Isaac Powell came in. Both of them did pretty well. I wouldn't be surprised if both of those players start on Friday night and we see that team which started the second half in Sydney be the team which plays up here because I think he'll. Tr- I think I think they did play better in the second half. Maybe only marginally, but they did play better and I think he'll reward that with that 11th side in the game. I like to change on the bench. So I want to see George Mills come in. We haven't seen him play mm. at all in the senior side apart from a two-minute cameo in the FFA Cup away to Sydney and that's a long time ago I'm really the midfield's an area I think we all agree is an area where there can be room for improvement at least on the bench to have an, al- an alternate option perhaps and I'd like to see him given the opportunity either he or Raman Akbari but I wouldn't mind seeing Mel's get the chance well that is something they're going to have to consider as well because they do have the Y League the next morning yeah. they probably won't be too keen to bring out all their Y League big guns yeah. and have them filling out the bench. One thing I am curious about, though, are they going to stick with that back three slash back five or yeah. go to the back four, which works so well against the Mariners? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one. I, I tend to agree with Scott that, you know, what, whatever seemed to work last, and I think it's, uh, it's a very, very facetious thing to say considering you know, the disaster that was Saturday Night Cogra. But, um, look, I think, I think perhaps, you know, the three at the back may have sort of some some merit. I think I think they seem to be a lot more sort of stable, um, you know, and, and obviously the defensive setup. I think that's the main thing: get the defence back right, and the rest the rest will fall for itself. So, um, yeah, I think I think we will see three at the back. I think I think that that will I think it'll be the back a back three of you know Tom Aldred, um, Jordan Courtney Perkins, and uh, Daniel Bowles. That's that's what I'm predicting anyway. And also, if they do happen to bring in. Um Isaac Powell, that left wing back role. We've seen him come on in an attacking. We've seen him come on as an attacker, uh, even just for a few minutes yep. against the Mariners, and it seems like he's going to uh, have a bit of license to get forward and join that attacking uh, duo of Roy O'Donovan and I'm assuming Dylan Wenzel Halls. I think they view him as an attacking fullback. I think they, oh, he's got a lot, a bit to work on defensively. We all know that, but attacking wise, he can offer a lot to the side right now. I think that's what they're really looking at with him, and he brought more of that to the side on. Saturday night, and I do think it, it's a bit of that might be the one that might go the other way where Macaulay Gillespie does start in his place and Courtney Perkins plays at left wing back. That's the, probably the toss up, but I, I really I would not be at all surprised if he gets his first start for a while for the Brisbane Roar. And it doesn't seem like Fowler's too scared of having you know two 17 year olds on that left hand uh, side of defence. Although that actually does give me real cause for concern, just purely for the experience that Western United have. You've got Diamante, you've got Barisha, you've got a Scott McDonald, and you've got a Kone as well. Yeah, look, but... He's thing. healthy, right? I don't know if he is. Yeah. He okay. might be, he might not be. 
I think he played. I think he played. Come off the bench last week, but uh, either I mean, way, uh, yeah. yeah either, either way, yeah. But oh, look, I think. But it's also a, you know a merit of trust. You know, like I said, these, these aren't just two seventeen-year-olds that's been plucked out of nowhere. You know, these are two, you know, you know, junior internationals, and they, they've obviously when they have played for the Raw, they have they have played as well as you know as any other players that played in those positions. So I think yeah, the the sort of the age I don't think is a worry but um, look I think at the end of the day um, they're performing they'll play but I think the bye as well the following week is also as well is why you, you probably will not see the likes of a Jack Hingett or a Conor O'Toole yes. or even a George Mells which you know I, I to be honest I would hope that he's he's got somewhere because I think he brings something different to that midfield but I can't see them play I think we'll see them on against Adelaide on Saturday morning and I think with, with the bye and then you know, maybe then there might be a shift in the squad after they come back from that bye Okay, now I want to talk about a few uh, match-specific things. So we talked in segment one about having um, the Raw and their slow starts and always having to chase the game. What would you feel more comfortable about, comfortable about if they went into halftime tied at uh, nil all, or if it happened to if they happened to go in um, tied at one all? Oh, it depends on the order of the goals. I would I would love to get that first half goal just because we haven't seen it. But I think in terms of getting a quicker start, it's just it's an intent thing. They, the first two, three minutes of the game against Sydney, they did actually were on the front foot, and then they got hit on in transition by Sydney, and that was the end of it. But I'd probably be more comfortable and happy with a one-all, one but it's purely for the fact they did get that goal, and we don't have to hear about it every week on Fox. Exactly. So I've heard enough of it. That, that's the only thing I say. Look, I'd be, I'd be happy with nil-all, but then again, yeah, I just want... Fox Sports to come up with a different stat to to try and sort of you know rub it into the prison raw. So yeah, look, one all will do. But uh, look, at the end of the day, it's more about not conceding than you know conceding. I said obviously their record in the second half is pretty good. Uh, yeah, about that stat, you may see that on uh, Twitter about an hour before the match as well. <laughs> sure, from, uh, is. a couple of accounts just putting that out there. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I they do need to get off to a quick start though. And, like if they do go for that young lineup as well, they should have the legs to at least get after Western United because, look, for for all their you know age and skill and everything, they do have that. Like they they haven't got the fastest team. They don't. They did balance it out quite well at the weekend. Young Jerry Skadardis came into midfield, and he did. He had a big impact in bringing that youthful energy to the side. Which obviously talk about Kone Yurtets. Diamante, obviously the wrong side of 30, they're not the quickest players, he brought that energy to them, and they do need a few more players like that I think in their side because they don't, you're right, it is a bit like the Brisbane Royal last year year before where they had a lot of over 30s of high technical quality not, maybe not high enough physical quality to last in an Australian summer, but he did help them with that, and the Raw do have, obviously about Wenzel Halls, John Courtney Perkins because if he does play Isaac Powell, Stefan Mork brings a lot of energy to the side. Aidan O'Neill does as well. They all have the, the players to counteract that from Western United. So if they can make it a physical game in terms of not not fouls and like, physical aggression, just in terms of making them run around the field on a potentially hot, humid night at Suncorp, that could be a, a, a really big weapon for the Raw. It's going to be hot and humid, I'll tell you that much. It, it's, yeah. it looks like it. Yeah, well, actually, I'm just looking up the weather forecast now, so expect that to change another five times in the next 48 hours. But it's been pretty consistent. They're saying, you know, possible storm Friday afternoon, Friday night. So I have a feeling that'll probably hit about 5.45 when everyone's trying to get to the ground. <laughs> but we also do... Like, we've been to enough games at Suncorp Stadium to know that when it gets muggy and... A, cool. Like, if yeah. it's raining just a little bit before kickoff, and then if it 
clears up, it does get very, very sticky in there. They talk, I call the cauldron for a reason. Yes, so that could be a very interesting thing to uh, keep an eye on as well, but hopefully, hopefully they get a decent crowd. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, coming from Melbourne as well, that I know it's summer and it's hot down in Melbourne now, but it's not humid, and when you come up here to the humidity... It is a real energy sap off. Well, teams. you'd hope that because every um, every junior registered uh, with Football Queensland actually would get a free ticket on for Friday night's game. So you'd hope that there'd be there'll be a decent crowd. First day of school holidays as well. Yes. So yeah, I, I know six thirty is a little bit too early, but that's what you get for not having daylight savings. I just yeah. If you have it seven thirty, people say it's too late though. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's because football fans are never satisfied here. Yeah. I didn't. Even, I, no, that's true. I didn't even get to do my uh, NBL Looney Tunes versus A League Star Wars round. Uh, reactions right next week. We've got yes. next week. Yes, we do. Uh, but yeah, I just six thirty. Make the effort. Go. It, it, it's the first chance to see Western United in person. Why not make the most of That's it? That's the intriguing part. Is it's a new opposition. Someone we haven't seen here. It's not the same old teams we see once or twice here. This is a new team. So I, I'm I'm really intrigued to see them play because we haven't seen them at all. Their preseason was we didn't see that. We've only seen them on television in there in their game so far I'm intrigued to see what they're like in person and also as well like it's not just a new team like normal expansion teams are bottom and haven't got a clue this is a good team Definitely. and like I said they, they, they just they just whacked Melbourne victory 3-1 so they're coming to form Rory on the bounce back I think it's going to be a, a decent dichotomy you know of some performance to see which one sort of, you know which sort of scenario plays out speaking of positives great to see Melbourne victory struggling just as badly as the Raw <laughs> possibly worse yes uh, one, yeah, one goal worse <laughs> there we go. It all counts. All right, so uh, we're going to wrap it up now with our usual uh, predictions for the weekend daily game. Scott, the story of the Raw Western United game will be... I really don't like you asking me this question because I will still see some consistency from the Raw. They're good one week, not good the next. I just want some consistency from them. I think they'll win the game, but I just want to see them play well and well consistently. Adam, what are we going to be talking about Saturday morning? Stalemate in the Brisbane humidity. I think it's going to be a draw. I am having too, such a hard time splitting these two sides. I think Barish is going to score. I think I think the Raw will score. A first half goal, actually. And I'm thinking it's going to wind up being a 2-2 draw. Fair enough. Why I, think, I think one all draw, but... I'll go 2-2. I'll go I'm hoping for a little bit of excitement. I'll say 2-1. I have no idea how I'm not fully convinced by it, but... Why not? We'll go with that. We'll see what happens. All right. That's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Scott. Thanks, lads. See you again, James. Adam? We'll be back early next week. Uh, I'm not sure what night exactly. Monday or Tuesday. We've got to confirm that all anyway. And I should also say thanks to Trixie for not trying to bite me while we were recording segment one. We'll get her to come and bite you now. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Enjoy the football this weekend. Three raw home games. Try and get to as many as you can. We'll talk to you next week.